You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome. This is Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And today we are going to be talking about sex, but not just regular old sex with one other person, but sex with two other people. We are going to be talking about threesomes. Now, before we dive in, I want to say a big thank you to Desire Resorts. You know I'm a fan of theirs, and I believe you will be too. Check them out. They're down on the Mayan Riviera with two locations. And you don't have to wear clothes. It's for couples only most of the year. And uh, what's really unique is the ambiance as well as the people you'll meet. I've met people with whom I've been in touch for over a decade since my very first trip down to Desire. So check them out online at Desire Resorts. Let's talk threesomes. Now, I get more questions about threesomes than any other sexual fantasy. And this makes sense. The data suggests that threesomes are a top, top fantasy. And we have very limited research, but what we know is that they're actually relatively common. Now, most of us haven't had one, but a considerable number of us have. One Canadian study I pulled up found that 24% of men and 8% of women report having had a threesome. So that gives us a total of 13% of Canadians in this study. And what's interesting is that 18% of the men had been in at least one FFM threesome, meaning two women, one guy. And only 8% had been in an MMF threesome, so male, male, female. But 7% of women had been in at least one FFM, two women, one man, threesome. And 5% of women had been in an MMF, two men, one woman, threesome. I'm trying to keep this straight in my head. So something here doesn't quite align for me. You'd think that if 18% of men had been with two women, then more than 7% of women would have also reported having had an FFM threesome. So granted, this study was a fairly small sample size of hetero college students, but it probably reflects the possibility that men tend to over-report sexual experiences and women tend to under-report because of the social stigma, which varies between the genders. So I pulled up a a larger scale study in the States, and this one looked at over 2,000 adults. And what they found was that 10% of women and 18% of men report having had a threesome. So these numbers are a little bit higher because they're looking at a slightly, uh, well, a broader range of age. And so as you get older, you're more likely to have done things. Um, But interestingly, even though it's so common, 10% and 18%, It's not a really regular occurrence. So only 3% have had a threesome in the last year and only 1% in the past month. Uh, And that's among people who have had threesomes. So what's interesting to me about this data from this larger study is that threesomes and group sex 
are most common for women in particular when they're between the ages of 25 and 29 years old. So between 25 and 29, 18% of these women, so in line with the men, had had a threesome and 12% had had some form of group sex. So I think we sometimes think about college students being the wildest, but the college age students, if you put them at say 18 to 24, their data doesn't reflect this. Uh, their data in terms of how common threesomes were, were similar to those over the age of 70. So it's 25 to 29 that seems to be the hot spot for women in particular. And that was a hot age for men as well, although younger men also reported having threesomes. So the number of people who are actually having threesomes, if we put it at this 10 and 18%, so 14% or so, the number of people who are having threesomes is probably considerably lower than the number of people who would like <laughs> to have a threesome. So anecdotally, I can tell you that when I host group workshops and I tend to work with, you know, relatively guarded groups, I'm not talking about the wild partiers or the lifestylers or the sex clubs, but when I host workshops on relationships with executives and entrepreneurs, we often partake in a secret ballot exercise in which I ask people to share what they want from their partners. They split up and either do this alone or in groups of threes, but apart from their partners, not with their partner. And I ask them to write down something that would really revolutionize their relationship. So it could be anything from the emotional to the sexual. So people come back with this broad range of, of ideas and responses from, for example, warn me when you're in a bad mood or don't complain so much about work. And then of course I get the wilder ones. And inevitably, in every single group around the world, I mean every group, and if you follow my schedule, you know I give a lot of speeches. <laughs> um, so groups from Lebanon to Shanghai to Dallas to Vancouver, at least a handful of people in these groups put threesomes on their list. So it is the thing that they want their partner to talk about, to consider, to perhaps even try. And, and the data reflects this as well. People want threesomes, but they're not always available to them. So whether you're a single or a couple, it's not like you can just go into a bar and pick up one or two people for a threesome. It's a lot more work. And of course, just because something is sexually appealing or arousing doesn't mean that you necessarily want to try it out in real life. You might consider the risks to be too high, whether those risks be emotional or relational or physical. Or I guess you just might not know where to start when it comes to a threesome, so that's why we're here today. There are professionals who can help you to have a threesome. So joining me today to discuss threesomes is pleasure educator Luna Matadas, who can speak to threesomes from both a professional and personal perspective. Thank you for joining me, Luna. Luna, what is new in your world? You have such an interesting career teaching a wide range of topics from butt play to femdom to dirty talk to, of course, how to have a threesome. What's coming up uh, in your world right now? 
Oh my gosh, I have so many fun different uh, things coming up because I get to teach online, I get to teach in person. And so I'm actually doing a couple of live streams on old school around body confidence and how that affects our sexual confidence. So I recently did face sitting and we looked at um, fat babes and now I'm going to do um, strategies around like riding with confidence or being in positions where you feel like you're a little bit shy, but it could bring you a ton of pleasure. Um, so I'm really looking at helping people kind of navigate through their, their body shame um, so that they can have more pleasure and better sex. Oh, I love that because yeah. we do get self-conscious being on top. And when you're self-conscious, you just can't get turned on. Yeah, it's such a distraction. And so where can people find this one? I'm, I'm going to try and tune into this one. Yeah, so it's actually, um, it'll be coming up next week. I think it's next Friday um, and it's on O School. So it's www.o.school. And um, usually it's a great opportunity for people to also bring their own stories and, and vulnerabilities and specific to their situations and their particular shame because we do a live stream and chat. So it's completely free and people can just tune in on their phone or their computer. Okay, cool. So you guys are going to follow along with Luna Matadas to check that out. I'm going to add my two cents. I find that the greatest antidote to any sort of self-consciousness or body shame is an orgasm. Like once you have an orgasm, you kind of, once you're really, really turned on, you kind of don't care what else is happening. Uh, and so if you can get super turned on first, maybe you have to run into the bathroom and do it. Maybe you tell your partner go down on you with the lights off before you turn them on. I find that it really helps to shed that self-consciousness. I don't know if you have the same experience or if others out there do. I love that. I think, I think that's spot on. I think once people are in this sort of aroused state, they get to a little bit of a transcended state beyond their body shame, beyond their sexual unconfidence. And when they're really enjoying themselves and seeing their partner enjoy themselves, they can kind of move past all of that and, and at least put it aside for the moment um, while you're coming and, and having great sex. Right. And I, I think it has to do with being just a greedy beast because that's mm -hmm. what I am. Once I'm turned on, I really don't care about anybody else. I'm not worried about how you're looking at me or how I'm looking. I am just this greedy animal. And I know I used to be kind of self-conscious about being so animalistic and being so beast-like. And there's really only one word to describe me when I'm in that space. It's a beast. But my partners really like it because it's a genuine experience. Yeah, it's very authentic. It's very raw. It's like drawing on that primalness. I think I'm beastly too. I'm going to start describing that as my sexual orientation. Beast. <laughs> We're just a couple, <laughs> couple of sexual beasts. And, yeah. <laughs> and I actually, to push past the self-consciousness of being this sexual animal or beast, I find that I have to just learn to be selfish. And that is one of the big challenges for so many people today. We've shifted from this culture of being selfish to being a performer, and we need to shift back to being selfish. Yeah, I totally agree. And getting your partner to sort of facilitate that, that selfishness for you and adore it while it's happening and not try and kind of like compete or take up space. I think like watching people have pleasure gives me a lot of pleasure. So I would totally take it in to watch my partner be beastly. Right. Yeah. I'd almost love to see people not even worry about sexual skills. Don't worry about yeah. how you move your tongue or what you do with your hands. Just take it for yourself and see how that transforms your sexual experience. I love that too. I think the voraciousness, like that kind of lust that's really visceral for people can um, cushion a lot of the shame, but can also give someone else permission to meet that beastliness. Oh, I love this. All right. These two beasts need to get together soon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
We need shirts. We need t-shirts. <laughs> Sexy bees. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk threesomes. You work with couples, you work with singles, you work with groups. It is a very popular fantasy. Why are people so enthralled by the notion of a threesome? Yeah, you're right. It, it's definitely one of my most popular workshops and my most requested uh, couples one-on-one workshops. It's uh, couples with the fantasy of um, having a, a third person come into their bedroom, uh, whether that's someone uh, that's a male or a female. It's usually a, a meeting couples who are interested in having heterosexual couples who are having um, a female come in. Um, and I think a big thrill of it is that, I mean, it's, it's one of the fantasies where you can safely kind of get... Um, really excited about thinking about your partner doing these types of things with someone else. And it still kind of maintains your unit as, as a couple. And so it feels a little bit like less intimidating than maybe some of the other fantasies that, that are out there. It's also just really popular in porn. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel that people are sort of going um, with what they, they've been delivered and, and how they, they kind of see it because, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, a lot of the rep- representations of threesomes in porn don't translate well into reality, like most porn. Um, right. <laughs> and so a lot of people are sort of looking for these skills to, to figure out like, okay, well, is it that I want to have a same sex experience? Is it that I want to watch my partner with someone else? Is it that I want to pleasure someone else with my partner? And so there's so many different angles to it. It's really a, an alluring fantasy that is, is possible. It's something that you can actually go out and, and find. Well, and I, I think we should probably talk about the gender roles in threesomes and the ways in which porn has normalized threesomes, but through mm-hmm. the lens of hetero male pleasure with an expectation or, you know, this, this compulsory idea that women are bisexual. Do you see this in your practice? How can we address this so that there's nothing wrong with hetero male pleasure? <laughs> I'm all for it. But there are certainly a bunch of other people out there, I don't know, like three and a half billion of them who also like the pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the pleasure. They want the pleasure. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely see it. I would say like 90% of the people that are coming into a group workshop or coming to me um, for a private couples consult is they're looking for um, sort of that fantasy, that heteronormative fantasy of a male and a female and bringing in a single female. Um, so male on male play is, is very taboo and very stigmatized um, in group sex spaces and kink spaces and sex clubs. Um, and even if there isn't going to be necessarily someone that um, is engaging in same-sex play with the two males, if someone's just sort of watching or participating with only the female, it's still highly stigmatized. And, and so the desire around it is, is very much towards the male desire. And I see it even when I'm personally looking for um, a threesome and I'm talking with couples, and it's so centered around being live girl porn for uh, the male in the relationship. Right. And so how do you, how do you counter that? Like you, you talk about this term couples privilege to begin with. How do you, how do you address couples privilege? How do you address the privilege of, I guess, the hetero male lens and hetero male pleasure? Um, I think it's actually what you started off saying with, with kind of being this, this selfish type of, um, uh, <laughs> desire when we're going into the fantasies and really thinking about, yeah, it's great to kind of bring to life our partner's fantasies and to be a part of making those happen. Um, but to also really consider, well, what do we want out of it? And what are we getting out of it? And what are we giving this third person? So couples privilege tends to um, 
uh, concentrate on the the behaviors of, of couples that are looking for threesomes in that they're really looking to protect their relationship and their coupledom and setting the rules and the tones for someone else coming in. And which sounds quite reasonable. I mean, you do have to have those discussions and figure out what you're comfortable with and the type of person you're looking for. But it often comes at um, a hierarchy that's at a disadvantage to the third person coming in. So the rules could be things like, well, no kissing, or you can only talk to the female, or you can only do this. And so it's rarely positioned from a place of how can we as a couple give more pleasure to this third person coming in who's helping us fulfill our fantasy and how do we co-create this fantasy together. Um, so the couples will have behaviors um, that are very much centered around uh, someone almost being like a stunt vulva or a stunt penis. <laughs> Like, you know, like they're really just looking for like an extra body and some unicorns and some singles are into that. But a lot of unicorns and a lot of singles who like playing with couples don't like feeling objectified and like you've just brought me in to spice up your relationship. And what are you offering for me? Right. I mean, certainly I think I've been in that position where I would not just privilege, but look to protect my relationship above all. And in doing so, perhaps privilege the pleasure of my partner and I, my partner, me, over a third party. Mm. And I think we don't think about it because even if you read articles or take mm -hmm. a lot of courses, they are very couple-centric. Yes. So you, you mentioned the word unicorn. First, if you can just tell us what a unicorn is. And can you tell me as a unicorn what you're looking for in a couple? Yeah, absolutely. So a unicorn tends to refer to um, a female that's seeking to play with a couple, usually a, a heterosexual couple, but could be a couple of any um, orientation or genders. Um, and the reason that she's called a unicorn is because kind of everyone wants one, but it's so elusive that nobody can find one. And so you'll hear couples, <laughs> you know, we've just been looking for so long. And yet, you know, their profile says, looking for a unicorn, no drama, emoji unicorn. So they're not really kind of putting into any effort to really think about what do I want out of the experience. So I actually um, ended up writing a blog post about 10 things couples do that make me want to fuck them. Um, and, you know, the number one thing is that they're really caring about what I want out of the experience. So if you're looking to spice up your relationship and you're bringing in me as the spice, like, what am I getting? Like uncooked rice? So I want something like out of this experience as well. And so I use the language. I mean, we're give and take, you know, I, I, I Keep in mind, not everyone is a sex educator. Not everyone's reading all the blogs. Um, but I use the language that everyone takes turns being the center of attention. And so it's oh. always like these different sort of combinations that create this little prism of pleasure to give um, to everyone. And, and some people go into a threesome with really specific, um, I'm just looking to play with the female or I'm just looking to play with the male as a unicorn. And that's okay too. But asking the questions, um, most couples sort of come in with a statement. And the statement is like, we want this and uh, you need to not bring any drama to our existing uh, relationship, which for me is already very off-putting because it's like, if there was drama already there, I might be the match, but I'm not necessarily the cause of whatever relationship insecurities you may already have. Well, yeah. What does that even mean? Don't bring drama. I think it means uh, don't steal my partner <laughs> ah. because it's always followed with um, you know, we're, we're very happy. We're very in love. Um, we're just looking for this like fun experience. So come over and have drinks and have sex with us. And for me, it's like, well, but you didn't even ask what I was into or like, do you go down on people or like, do you like kink or there was no inquisition. And, and this is like so overwhelming. There's no inquisition. There's no flirting. There's no sort of, um, 
engagement around what their focus will be on. And so the, you know, the most exciting couples for me are ones that kind of say, um, we're looking, we both love oral, we love cuddling, uh, we're looking to bring someone in to share in our fun. To me, that's I, like, I great. That. Yeah. yeah and, and it's the dance that precedes the experience that makes sex right? so exciting. And so I yeah. wouldn't think it would be exceptional in a threesome. And the other piece to me is, why would I even want to have sex with someone who isn't deriving pleasure from it? If I'm just using you as spice, I think it would be all the more spicy if you were enjoying it too. <laughs> right? Yes, I agree. I totally agree. And I think couples miss that. I think they're really, um, they're lacking seeing the unicorn also as a person with her own unique desires and like hotspots. And so for me, it's like, well, I have a new partner. I want to know like, how can I touch you? Like your body's different than the other bodies I've touched. So what makes you sexy? What makes you feel desired and lusty? And do you like this? And there's very, um, there's very few, there's very few instances I find with couples where they're prioritizing even asking those questions. It's sort of like date time location. Right. And I wonder if this has to do with portrayals in pop culture where the threesome mm -hmm. really is about the couple. And to be fair, I think that some of the selfishness or what we would perceive as selfishness is derived from the nervousness and trepidation yeah. yep. that couples have, right? They really are concerned about protecting their relationship. Yes, absolutely. And so in, but in order to do that, I mean, your pleasure does not detract <laughs> from the, the, you know, the foundation of their relationship. It's like, no. there's certainly not mutually exclusive experiences. Yes, exactly. And I think that that would be great if, if couples sort of learned that. But you're right in, in that they're, it's coming from all of this insecurity. And so a lot of times I find couples haven't had the conversations that are important to have before the threesome dirty talk and, oh, we're going on field or Craigslist or something to find uh, another uh, unicorn. And so they're not having the questions around like, yeah, well, I'd really love to see you have sex with another woman. But what is it going to feel like for me when you're cuddling her? or when you're mm -hmm. kissing her, or when you look at her the same way that I think you look at me. What am wow. I going to do when I feel left out? What am I going to do when I feel awkward or not sexy enough? And those, all of those um, insecurities are then put on the restrictions of what the unicorn can or can't do or how much attention we're giving to the unicorn. So it's often a subconscious. I mean, I'm making couples sound kind of malicious, but it really is sort of a, a subconscious driving um, behind the fantasy. And I wonder if it also has to do with a reluctance to express insecurity, because I mm. saw this when I was hosting the, a sh I hosted a show for Playboy for people who don't know, and it's about swingers having their first experience and they walk in and I am supposed to explore their insecurities with them so that they can feel more safe moving, moving into the experience. And what I found was that many of them were reluctant to express any insecurity at all. They really wanted me to know and they wanted the other couples to know that we've got a great relationship. Yes. We love each other so much. We really don't believe anything can go wrong. We've had every conversation we needed to, which is impossible. So as a unicorn, if someone were to say, listen, we love each other. We've got a great relationship. But we're nervous about this because we know that sex can change the way we feel about one another. Or we're afraid that you know, one of us might get jealous. Would you, would you run away from that insecurity or would you lean into it and say, okay, let's explore that? I would lean into it. I think that's so authentic. I think that's so real. 
Um, and it also opens up the opportunity for a unicorn to present her own vulnerabilities as well. Because yes. often, you know, maybe we're insecure and maybe, you know, you two are going to go off and do your own thing in the middle of it. And what am I going to do? And, you know, so it's, I, I, I totally think that creates such a positive environment and invites people to speak about all the things that they may not solve. You're maybe you're not going to solve all these, these insecurities before the threesome, but at least that they're, they're not sort of buried and driving behavior. They're a little bit more um, mindful around, you know, what might happen. Yeah, and I guess it's a misconception that we need to appear 100% confident for fear of driving away a unicorn if we don't appear 100 out of 100, which of course is unrealistic. And I, I think about if there was something that could really change the way we interact with one another. And I mean, on the street and in the bedroom mm-hmm. with strangers and with our intimate partners, it's shouting out we are insecure. I am insecure. I think I need a t-shirt that says I am insecure. That doesn't mean I'm not secure too, but we all have moments and issues of insecurity. I totally agree. I'm going to make that shirt for you. If you can make that shirt, I will buy a whole bunch and I'll, and it'll be interesting as a woman and especially a really femme appearing woman like mm-hmm. me wearing a, an insecure t-shirt, right? The type of, first of all, I, I don't want a t-shirt, Luna. I only wear dresses. Oh yes. Okay. I'll have to make you a dress. <laughs> I'm on it. Yes, a very fitted <laughs> dress. But yeah, I mean, this, this reluctance to express insecurity is costing all of us. And so right now we're talking about threesomes and some people might be really into this idea and it may not apply to others. They might say like, I have no interest in threesomes. That's far too many toes in one bed for me. Uh, but, but the concepts that underlie successful or unsuccessful <laughs> threesomes are the same as the concepts that underlie all sexual interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And and I always advise my my class and my clients, um, and even when I teach at sex clubs, that you know, our, our goals, even though this is a, a sexual fantasy goal, they don't have to be purely sexual goals driving the entire experience. And so I ask them to think about, you know, what are your social, sensual, and sexual goals? So your social goal may be like, well, I don't know how to flirt. I don't know how to like get to know someone's body. Um, I want to experiment with like foreplay that's different than what my partner likes. I want to um, experience being with someone of the same sex or same gender. Um, and the sensual part is like, you know, we kind of jump in and like have a race towards orgasm. But the sensual part, you know, you've got so many more toes and so many more fingers. So someone could be rubbing your shoulders at the same time that someone's kissing your toes. Or, you know, there's so many more combinations for sensuality and to be covered in skin and breath and senses and all of these um, pleasure portals that can open up for us to receive more stimuli because there's more bodies. So when we think about all these bodies in this bed or in the car or wherever you're doing this, I I feel like a car would be a very impractical. I know, you're ambitious. (laughs) (laughs) A really big American car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what, and I know that every person is different. So obviously every triad is even more unique when you apply simple mathematics. But what what are some physical ways to even approach threesomes? Once you've already had the chat and you're ready to go, what do you how do you start with your hands, with your mouth, with your toys? How might you set it up? And I know this isn't a perfect formula, but just for those out there who might be nervous. Yeah, I think there's some great verbal foreplay that can act as like social lube for the situation that doesn't have to be about like, what do you do for a living? And you know, what are your hobbies? Um, Kind of (laughs) even talking about where the the desire for the threesome came for and encouraging people to talk about their fantasies is really sexy. Um, And a lot of people have trouble articulating what they're 
um, drive is behind the fantasy. They're just sort of like, oh, I like sex, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, even kind of like sharing like, oh, well, here's, you know, the types of uh, toys that I play with or signs of pleasure and displeasure. So I'm really noisy when I'm having a good time. And when I'm quiet, I'm kind of bored. And so someone who's new to me maybe would not know that those were cues and signs of pleasure or, or displeasure. Um, I think there's like physical things people can do too. I think a three-way massage is really sexy when people are ready for um, hands-on touch. Um, undressing each other or each person takes off a piece of clothing so that you're kind of all entering it with the same level. The worst is when two people are ready to go and a third person's not yet comfortable. And so kind of like testing the temperature as you go along and just checking in and it might feel that they're over communicating, but that over communication is going to cushion some of the awkwardness that may happen um, if you don't have all of these things sort of out on the table. Okay, so you mentioned awkwardness, and I think that a threesome, especially for the first time with new partners, will be inevitably awkward, and that's part of the excitement. You know, are there awkward moments you can you be willing to share or awkward highlights that have made your real? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, so <laughs> one for me is um, feeling left out. And, and one of my like worst like go-to fears in group sex is that I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna be able to plug into whatever the scenario is and then I'm gonna feel undesired I'm gonna feel unattractive I'm gonna feel isolated from the group um, and I, I think that's sort of you know, something I've learned along the way to be able to speak up about it and speaking up even can be like hey you two look so sexy like how can I add to this um, right. You look really delicious. Like I'd love to do this and making suggestions, being a creator and being a director, like having something that you're going to add to the situation when you feel yourself spiraling towards one of your insecurities. Um, and another big one is uh, when one person's done and if like the two other people aren't, and I had a situation with a terrible couple uh, <laughs> who will refer to as the terrible couple and uh, they just sort of, they were just, just not interested in, in my pleasure at all. And I had gone to the bathroom and I came back and they were in missionary position and I went to that place of, wow, like they're just here using me and I'm, they're not actually into me. I don't feel sexy. And then I thought, this is my bed. And so <laughs> I'm going to do something about this. And I tried to sort of get in on it and it just wasn't really happening. And he finished and sort of rolled over and was like, you know, quiet for a little bit. And um, her and I were still having a great time. And he sort of said, you know, hey, babe, like where it's time to go. And, you know, it really was jarring for me because I had an orgasm. She had an orgasm. She's the only one that did. And so it's kind of acceptable to anticipate that there are going to be three levels of kind of desires and needs and pleasures when you have three people. It's more emotions, more bodies. Um, and so what people can do in that situation is to either, you know, you can speak up and he could have said, hey, like, I'm, I just need a few minutes, but you two look amazing. Do you need water? Can I bring you anything? Um, or like kind of like support the group, like grab a toy, clean, get a snack, you know, pick yeah. something. Like, I mean, help when out. in doubt, go get us a sandwich. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And just giving permission to continue being like, here are my needs, but you know, you two look like you're having a great time. Like keep going. You, you know, you've used a, a number of different words that have sparked my interest. Like you talked about being a director, you talked about taking turns receiving pleasure. And I think about all the different ways a threesome scenario could play out. It could be all three people playing with one another. It could be a V where one only plays with, where, where two of them play with one. Um, you, 
how do you how do you conceptualize it? Like, how do you decide how you take turns giving and receiving pleasure? Yeah, that's a really great question because I usually ask couples um, beforehand, but obviously, you know, what happens in reality is a little bit different. So I'll ask them, I'll invite them to tell me about the scenarios that they've talked about, like, because obviously they've dirty talked about it in bed. Um, and I'll kind of say, oh, I, I love, um, you know, one of my favorites is being able to kiss someone while someone else is going down on me. And so I'll sort of share these little tidbits and it becomes really sexy um, insights into what you'd like to do and what turns you on, what aesthetics turn you on, and also gives the couple and, and the unicorn options that even though I'm, I want everyone to have a turn being the center of attention, that can look really different. So we can have voyeurs, so people who like watching what's going on and maybe they're going to be touching themselves while they watch. Um, an exhibitionist, someone who wants to like touch themselves for, for the group or use a toy in front of the group. Um, so kind of um, just sort of letting go of what we've we've seen in porn which sort of removes most mainstream porn removes the connection and the emotion behind um threesomes and and any type of group sex and so staying connected could be like words of encouragement staying connected um or being a director could be suggesting ideas being creative could be around eye contact at the same time that you're touching someone else so it, it is a lot of multitasking <laughs> <laughs> Which some of us are better at than others. Totally, totally. And this, this is the thing. That's why a threesome isn't for everyone in real life. And I, later I'll talk about my experience working with, with couples who want to have threesomes because a threesome, of course, can be much hotter in fantasy than it is in reality. Totally, absolutely. So for people who have, who have come this far and are interested in having a threesome, where are people finding couples or unicorns or two other random people? Like, how do you even go about this? Yeah, so I think a lot of people are looking on swingers' websites. And so swingers' websites or sex club websites, they're typically going to have heterosexual couples looking for females. So if you're a dude looking for um, a threesome, it's a lot more challenging to be able to find that because of some of the stuff we talked about at the big beginning. There's definitely like homophobia. There's like all kinds of threatening uh, toxic masculinity stuff going on. Um, so other people are using things like Tinder, OkCupid, the mainstream apps, and they're either putting up a couple's profile in, a, in replace of a singles one and just sort of saying, this is what we're looking for. Or again, they're just dropping the unicorn emoji. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the apps that I've been using, I use Field, which is F-E-E-L-D, and it actually used to be Thrinder, and then Tinder got mad, so they, they've changed it to Field, and it's designed as an app for kinky or open-minded um, couples. It's terrible um, user experience. It's kind of clunky, and like it's not great, but it is a place where people who are looking for more open-minded experiences are um, congregating and kind of trying to find each other, um, and you can narrow it down. So if you're a couple looking for a single male, then you can make those your parameters. Um, and then lots of people think they're going to get killed off of meeting someone on Craigslist, but Craigslist <laughs> is super popular for uh, threesomes. And I take the same precautions that I would meeting someone from Tinder that I would from Craigslist. So um, for me, they're both strangers from the internet. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, those are the main places. Okay. And uh, is it common for just three random people to get together? Or is it almost always a couple and a single? I think it's really rare um, okay. for three random people to get together. Um, it tends to be the couples. Um, and in, even if we look at Field or Craigslist or Tinder, um, it, it is the couples that are advertising way more. They're way more out there. 
about it. So these things may be happening behind the scenes, but in any of the designated spaces, even in person at like threesome nights at sex clubs or swingers clubs, it tends to be very couple focused and very single female unicorn. Okay. Well, I, I love all of this advice. I'm really glad that you brought up the concept of couples privilege because I think we fall into it by accident and subconsciously and perhaps unknowingly, but the cost, everybody is, you know, quite, quite considerable. Mm-hmm. So you you teach workshops, you actually walk people through the process. You can be their, their wing person to take them out to a sex club for the very first time. I know you have a sex clubs for singles workshop. You mentioned that you're going to be live streaming on O School and you do that regularly and it's awesome and it's free. So people should tune in. Where else can people find you? Uh, they can find me on any of my um, social properties. So they can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Luna Matadas and Facebook because I often will post things up on there. Um, anything that I'm doing around um, in-person workshops or um, online workshops. And they can find me in my Etsy store as well because I'm a little crafty slut. So I like <laughs> making pasties and panties and t-shirts. Um, and so that, that's part of my uh, sexual creativity going into handicrafts on there as well. Okay, great. And you have a tassels and tea workshop. So people make sure you check out that afternoon. You call it a crafternoon. Afternoon. Yeah. I have trouble <laughs> even saying that word. <laughs> I'm the opposite of crafty. So it's a crafternoon of pasty making, which is so really awful for you. Yeah. <laughs> you I would just be drinking tea in the back. <laughs> yeah. Spiked tea while I yeah. glue one thumb to another thumb. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. I respect that. <laughs> that would be my MO. Luna, thank you so much. You are awesome. You're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, really great to listen to. I know people, there's, there's really a lot of takeaway here, whether you're interested in a threesome or not. And uh, so I'm going to thank you, Luna, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I wish everyone happy threesoming. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great one. Thanks so much. This is such a fascinating and exciting and, I mean, titillating topic. And I want to offer some advice on how to talk about having a threesome, what questions you might want to consider for yourself and with your partner before you have a threesome, and whether or not a threesome is right for you. And I want to talk about how to navigate the possibility of a threesome so that whether you decide it, that it should be a part of your fantasy world or that you'd like to live it out, I want you to be able to navigate a threesome so that it's just as hot as you ever imagined. But this has been a really a long episode, a long discussion, so I'm going to shelve those suggestions for next week's episode when I'll be chatting with a few other folks about their specific experiences with threesomes. So the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll see what they have to say. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you follow Luna and also share this episode with and the podcast itself with your networks if you're willing. It's a little tough in this field because I know people are, you know, reticent to share sex-related stuff, but if you're open to it, please do. And if not, that's okay. Simply follow along on Instagram at Sex with Dr. Jess. I am heading to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico next week to speak at a, a couple's retreat. And I'm so excited. Uh, this group seems like they're a lot of fun and they've got a really cool program planned. And I love my travel and we're going to be at the Rosewood in San Miguel de Allende. And it is supposed to be so beautiful and the town itself has some gorgeous old 
Spanish colonial architecture. So um, you know I'm going to be all over my Insta stories. I'm hoping to catch a glimpse of a wedding because I know they like parade down the street and it becomes a community celebration. So follow along at Sex with Dr. Jess. Thank you to Desire Resorts for your ongoing support and thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.